Dan, it is all your fault. Yep. I've heard that before many times. <laughs> <laughs> that just felt good to say. I didn't, I didn't have any meaning behind it, but what the heck? It just seems to be your fault. It always is. Can't be my fault. It's got to be someone else's. So it might as well be yours. That, like I said, I've heard I've heard it before so many times that I don't even ask what I did. I just say, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, yeah, if my business or my YouTube channel is underperforming, it is your fault. But if everything's going great, then it's just because I'm I'm awesome. That's right. Mm -hmm. I, I like that approach. I need to start using that more. Blaming yourself? No, I've always heard that, you know, like when something goes wrong, it's, you know, you can find someone to blame, but then when everything Easy. is right. Yeah. You go, yeah. Look, look in the Easy. mirror, pat yourself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> the easiest thing in life is to find someone to blame. Yes. Mm-hmm. Makes life more interesting. That it does. So yeah. what, what did I, so what did I do this time? Just nothing in general, just. Nothing in general, just whatever. Blanket statement. It's your fault. You're still a little, uh, frost, uh, you have your feathers ruffled up from last week's trip to Maine. You know, I still, uh, just so that everyone out there in podcast land listening to the Woodhounds here today, this is not, we did not, re we're not recording this the day of or the day after our previous episode. So it's not like I've carried this angst with me this whole time, but. We, Dan and I were talking before this episode, because we were going to talk about about um, the best, what is it, bark up or bark down stacking? <laughs> yes. We're going we're gonna to do a whole episode on yes. bark up or bark down. And then we got talking about last week, and it just like picked the scab off. And, you know, I just started <laughs> ranting again. And... I, it's just hard for me to articulate what I am feeling here. I'm not mad. And I kept saying I was aggravated. And I don't even know if I was aggravated. I just think it is, it's kind of like when you're watching the Wheel of Fortune and you just know what the answer is and they, they can't figure it out and you're screaming at the television. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. And I just see things with the firewood industry. And I could be wrong, but it's just the way I see things. And there's just too much evidence out there. And and we've talked about a lot of these, Dan, here, and that's what you were talking about. You know, we've talked about a lot of this stuff here on, on our podcast about EPA stoves and and local ordinances and dry firewood and obligations for uh, firewood producers and delivery services yeah all all the stuff that it's kind of like i don't know if they're if you can call them trends but it's like things that kind of how the firewood industry is shifting maybe or the way things are starting to go yeah there was a tv there was a movie a while back when it was about tucker and uh i can't think of his first name but he he made this he made the car the tucker yeah. And he got blasted by the the big three, you know, they put him out of business because he was a visionary and he he was putting seat belts in the cars when Detroit didn't want people to think that driving was not safe. He was putting in safety glass because before then if you were in a crash, you would have 
shards of razor blade <laughs> glass flying at your face. And he had, he had come up with that. And he had found that safety sells. And that was counter to the way Detroit was marketing cars at the time. And I just get that sense that maybe the firewood industry is kind of in that same uh, dilemma or that same transition. Because I have always felt firewood, I think the industry, it's behind the times, man, at every level. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's one that seems to, it takes a lot of convincing to show people that are in firewood something other than their way of doing firewood. And the fact, I think evidence of that, I have, how many episodes or how many videos on my YouTube channel have I done explaining value added firewood? When you put effort and time into a commodity, it increases its value. It increases how much it is worth. And here in the firewood industry, we're still fighting with people that think that it, it does the exact opposite. <laughs> and that's what I mean that we are just, I think the firewood industry, we're just so antiquated in our thinking and what we're doing. And it, it, it's not unlike Tucker in his automobile where he saw an opportunity and he started marketing and manufacturing to it. Well, here we are in firewood. We have, you know, I, I got, I got asked when I was in Maine, Joe, what about, aren't you worried about all these ordinance being passed? You know, and I, I says, no, I'm not because they're not happening where I live. You know, I mean, Ohio, we're banning books. We're not banning, we're not banning firewood. <laughs> you know, I mean, it tells you how backwards my state can be. And we have, we have, there is this, this attentiveness across the country that something is wrong or something needs to be done. Um, people are complaining about air quality. People are complaining about um, the stove phase outs and bringing in a new technology, a stove. And then the new stoves aren't working right because the wood that everyone's burning is green. And then the wood suppliers are saying, it's not my problem. We're just selling the wood. It's your job as the end user. But right. then the end user lacks the skills, the knowledge, and the ability, <laughs> probably, <laughs> to get to get the wood dry, <laughs> to, 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 to even know what seasoned firewood is. And it just seems to me that there is a big screaming beacon out there telling the firewood industry to wake up. Here is an opportunity. <laughs> Value-added firewood can bring in a lot higher margins than what you are used to living and selling at a commodity level. And it's just, we're not hearing the call, Dan. No, I, I well, I, I hear it and I hear you. And the one, the one big thing I think that's the roadblock is when everyone thinks of, you know, like value-added firewood or stacking your wood and all that, all they think about is lost revenue, how it's not <laughs> worth the time and it's oh. cost, cost too much and it's, you know, it's too much work. That's the big thing is I think it's just the, the actual physical time that you spend and the labor you have to put into something like that. People turn it and you're like, nope, not for me. The reason we put labor into something, the reason we work is to get something out of it. We build a deck on our house because we want to have a nice living space and it increases the value of our house. 
The reason we stack our firewood is because we want nicer firewood. We want it to dry. We want it to be bug free, keep the mold and the mushrooms out of it. When we put effort into firewood, you get something back. And my business model is showing that you can get higher profits if you put that limited amount of effort into it. And uh, I just, every episode of my YouTube channel that I put out, I, I just get used to these comments, but I just had one my last video. The guy told me, um, I was showing all my stacked rows of wood. He told me, I do not understand the industry. And <laughs> I would, <laughs> I think the exact opposite is is true. I totally understand the in industry. And I think you and me are just in different markets. You don't understand my market, but yeah. I understand this industry. And that's why I am not in your market. Because that market are the ones that complain that you can't make money selling firewood. Uh, I am addressing... And I didn't even realize this at the time because I was just trying to think, how can I sell my firewood for more? And, you know, is the exact opposite of the traditional thinking of high volume, big chunks of wood, minimal touches, scoop it up, dump it into your dump truck and dump it onto a driveway, expensive machines, expensive trucks, big trucks, expensive brake jobs. <laughs> and I, I went ahead and just did the exact opposite, small quantities, low volume, high margin, uh, many more touches. <laughs> many, yeah. You know? A few more, uh, not many. Deep, yeah, deeper into the value-added process, where each time we touch the wood, we're adding value to it. Right, and and like e even just the the size of your splits or how you know I've seen firewood for sale in like there's a up the road from me there's a dumpster that has it in, and that's about what the firewood looks like is garbage it's just uh -huh. no consistency in size splits either you know like width length anything it's just a big box of i don't even know how you call it firewood and you know like that right there is one little factor that i think a lot of people just oh just split it and throw it in a truck and go dump it it doesn't matter it's gonna burn oh yeah but you know for for people that I sell to like that's one of the things I think that draws them in is just the way the wood looks they want to see a nice product before they burn it <laughs> I don't know it just seems weird that yeah it's it's only going to turn into ashes but still there's that whole presentation of it that is key yeah I have seen myself evolve through this entire process of me beginning firewood literally with a poolant and a pickup I was doing firewood to heat my house and then do a side hustle and then into a business. And now I'm really wanting to get serious with this business. So I am in transition and I see the firewood industry now at a different level than when I did when I was just making firewood. And when I look at the firewood industry now globally, I still, we're just a diffuse, spread out, highly decentralized, I, I call it the Wild West, and I think that might be an accurate depiction. You know, I mean, there are some big firewood outfits that are out there, highly mechanized, kiln-dried, uh, these bundle markets, you know, being shipped all over the country kind of stuff. But largely, firewood is just a simple operation, a family, a, just a, a guy or a gal with a pooling and a pickup, making yep. firewood to sell for beer money or to just supplement their income 
or it is just a small bundle business. And because of that, if, if that's the way the industry is, maybe it will always be that way. But that is where I, I feel like I'm watching the wheel of fortune again. And I'm telling, <laughs> I'm screaming what the answer is into the, into the television. And what I would tell people in this firewood industry, and not just the, 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 the producers, but all of the manufacturers of machines that are in our industry is, can you please take a second and look at what is going on with this push towards efficiency, these new style stoves, local ordinances addressing air quality, and in some areas where new houses can't be built with fireplaces or a wood-burning appliance. And can't you recognize, guys, there is an opportunity out there. If we could just change a couple things that we do in the way that we sell, produce uh, our firewood, there's money to be made. And we could probably get a lot of this heat off of us and get it back into the ooh, get it back into the stove. That was pretty deep. Man. Ooh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's uh, I got this aha when I was up in Maine and I was looking at these kilns. And the exact same thing goes with that. Why are these kilns and if, if I don't understand the kilns, I'm still going to blame them <laughs> just like I'm going to blame you. Well, it's your <laughs> fault. Okay. What the heck? I mean, I'm a moderately sized firewood producer. Don't you think that your marketing, your websites could educate me? Well, guess what? They haven't. And I'm just saying, I am looking. There's got to be a way that our industry can address the fact that a lot of our firewood suppliers are smaller that they are absolutely supplying wood in the communities into the towns and the cities and states but can we address that our machines and stuff are a little bit kind of pricey the kilns they're a little pricey <laughs> a little bit <laughs> they you know what can we get some that that are heated with wood where you don't have to just you know get plans off the internet and make one yourself that we can address a smaller scale operation and tailor these machines and uh, and the supporting devices to it. Am yeah. I making sense? Yep. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about this a little bit during the week and I wonder if the, you know, like the smaller scale consumer kilns are also geared towards people who saw you know like sawmills like lumber because I, I was looking at some online and it always seemed like like 20 some feet was how long they were and i don't know if that's to you know fit in boards of you know lumber and and use it in that role but but what we need is like you said a firewood specific kiln that you could put a cord of wood in today and by the weekend it's ready to go and you heat it, or you use like your scrap wood or your waste to make the heat. Yeah. That would be ideal. Where a kiln really would help is when you want to air dry, you're trying, like what Harry Watt said in our previous episode, you're making next year's wood. So what you would be selling this winter is already stacked in your yard. 
but there is that magic number and it's different for everyone else where how much wood do you need to sell a year to be profitable or to sustain your lifestyle as a sole proprietor and can that wood be kept in one yard and i'm just thinking if you're small scale you may not have the space where a kiln makes sense is you don't have to have it stacked and set there all the time right and and i'm also thinking and when I, <laughs> this is where I, I think I've blown a couple of people's minds because I get the occasional comment too that they don't understand how I can afford all of these machines. How can, you know, because I'm calculating, Joe, how many cords you're saying that you sell a year and it don't add up. And that's because they're adding, they're, they're factoring, they're, they're assuming that I am selling my wood at $150 a, a cord. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> right. I'm not yep. going to tell you what I'm selling mine for. You can probably figure it out, but let's just throw a number out there. How about $700 a cord? All right. And a sole proprietor that would sell 60 cords a year. How much money is that if you average 700 a cord, Dan? 4,200. 40, 42,000. <laughs> 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 $42,000 a year. I think that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good dollar amount for making one cord a week. So yes. if you had a kiln <laughs> that could <laughs> dry one cord a week, why? <laughs> and, and, it, and, it is a, and it is a box that is affordable yes. for a small scale user. Oh. Yeah. When I met Tom Fox up in Maine and part of his innovative strategy is like small scale, small scale logging, taking his machines that are highly portable and they're going out to the islands, you know, off the mainland of, of Maine, small scale. And here we are, the firewood industry, it's diffuse. It's just a bunch of small producers with a couple real big ones. And if we can get some of these machines that could be steered towards small scale, 60 cord a year, highly profitable, high margin, low volume. <laughs> I think that is, I think I'm working my own self through my, <laughs> my wheel of fortune moment last, last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, and that's where, like you were talking about recognizing the change in the landscape going forward, as far as, you know, the future of wood stoves, what they're going to be able to burn, like only seasoned wood. So if you're a yeah. supplier and you're, you know, because obviously you're going to get the pushback of, well, yes, a kiln would be nice, but it's not needed for me to sell my firewood. I sell out every year regardless. Yeah. But that's where you then come in and say, well, yes, you sell out, but what if you sold out at double the price you were selling? Yeah, more than, yeah, more than double. More than double, yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. be the eye-opener. I have had my own eye openers with my own business and I thought bundled firewood is, is the way to go. And it is, but I have also learned how I can push my average price per cord for residential delivery so high that I'm now making more money on a quarter cord of wood delivered residential than I could if I were to have wrapped it into bundles, <laughs> you know? So why uh, now my attention is, deviating away from bundles towards residential delivery. And I see that with the way a small scale producer 
if they could see how much more money they could make if that $160, $180 cord of wood that uh, they want to sell right now, if they just waited a little bit more, or if they change the way that they deliver it and get away from cords. Um, you know, there's always going to be need out there for boiler wood and all. But I'm just thinking of a person who wants to be profitable, who wants to get away from just uh, or turning their side hustle into a more productive, possibly self-sustaining business model. Uh, here's an answer. And then, but it has to be something in conjunction with just the entire industry, the, the manufacturers, um, all the supporting uh, devices that are out there. It's got to be geared towards small operations. Yes. Yeah. Almost towards the hobbyist. <laughs> maybe not, maybe it. not so much, but the <laughs> hobbyist, the hobbyist might be the problem because us hobbyists are the ones that, you know, we just sell it for dirt cheap. We just sell wood for, like you said, the beer money. We go out on the weekend, right. we cut and split into a trailer, sell it, be done. Yeah. Well, I think that is the, the crux of this whole situation is what are the motivations for people that are in it? And I think for anyone who wants to put their effort into cutting up that tree that fell in their, in their yard and, and putting it up for sale outside, that is, you know, that's how we pretty much we've all gotten our start. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way to go. I'm looking now, because I used to be there, and that used to be me. But now here I am kind of like in the industry. And then when I go to these trade shows, I start seeing things at a different level than what I'm used to seeing. And I just see opportunity out there for our manufacturers, for our people that have turned their side hustle into a business. And um, I just see that, you know, the, 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 the environment that we are in right now, what Harry Watt was talking about, you know, we were bringing up the Puget Sound and certain municipalities around here that don't want to breathe someone else's smoke. Yeah. <laughs> the EPA stoves, though, have proven that they work, that they absolutely work. They're way more efficient than the old Franklin stoves, you know, that style of stove. Yep. And they're here to stay. So can we look at developing our industry to address that so that um, the small-scale producer, the firewood industry, and the stove industry and the homeowners can all work or all live in balance. Mm. My, oh my. Yeah. How do we do it? Yeah. <laughs> how, <laughs> how do we get there? <laughs> it sounds good. It sounds, you know, it's, and it sounds logical. That's the other thing is it just sounds like this makes sense. But to your point, how do you, uh, how do you get there with these, you know, you don't have the equipment, you don't have the kilns, you don't have yeah, the stuff you well, need. Well, I, the kiln thing, I still need to look into it, but here I am thinking I could never, I could never make one of these things work. They're too big. They're too expensive. Uh, I'm not at that volume. <laughs> I don't know if I would want to be at that volume. And uh, if I were a kiln manufacturer, and that's where I'm just, I'm talking out of ignorance here. I don't understand this industry. 
And I don't understand why there aren't these smaller ones that could just, you know, kiln dry a half a cord or a quarter cord. Why not? Yeah. Explain to me why, you know, can these things be created at a commercial level that is profitable for the manufacturer and that they make sense to the end user? I don't know. I mean, we can put robots on Mars. I know that. Yeah. So can't we figure out um, <laughs> a small kiln <laughs> for uh, for someone like someone like me or someone at my size of production? What would be what would be your ideal amount that you'd want to dry at one time? Like, are you well, talking a full cord or like a third of a cord at a time? Like what? Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I'm. I'm looking at this. What with would a small scale producer have a machine big enough that could pick up a cord in a basket? Probably not. No. So maybe a quarter cord or a half a cord. Even a half cord is pretty heavy. I don't think my tractor could even pick that up. Well, it'd be a lot lighter coming out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> or hey put um put baskets on wheels you know can't one of these kilns can't one of these kilns be set on the side of your house and then when you want to use it you push it out onto the driveway you know mm. and then you could have one of these baskets on wheels that you can push in instead of yet instead of picking them up yeah uh, I, i'm just saying why you know let's innovate here there's got to be a solution uh, i keep waiting for the day when we invent a firewood producer or a, a firewood processor that that goes onto the tree instead of the tree going into the processor. You know, I I don't know. Let's change the way we think here, guys. We can right. We can innovate. So, I um maybe I need to start a kiln company. I mean, you know, it's a it's a box. It's insulated, right? Well, um, yeah. So I think the the main components are heat and airflow. I think you need. You need to heat things up, but then you also need to move the air so you're not just creating like a big humidif you know, like a, a greenhouse where there's a lot of moisture. You're actually creating moisture inside of it. You need to heat the wood up and take the moisture mm -hmm. away. When I did I talk about this last week? When I was in Florida last year, I stopped and visited that firewood outfit. And they do slabs and all too. He has a little sawmill. He made his own kiln out of his daughter's treehouse uh his yep. daughter outgrew the treehouse so he you know put up his own insulation boards and a humidifier and some fans and some heat lamps different situation in florida than when it would be here in ohio <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> slightly <laughs> um but when i was looking at it i was thinking this is so simplistic this is so elegant why isn't why aren't there more of these and his wouldn't hold that much. I mean, you know, how big is a tree house? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So so that would be, you know, like, let's say that it, it's a half cord size. Then you need, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that the amount of energy needed to dry a full cord, if you were to do a half cord, would be half. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> I don't yeah. Just, see, that's, that's where I don't know. It, yeah. it may not be. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd have to have a way to unload and or load the wood in, un take the wood out. And then it, I think there's something also with once you do kiln dry wood, if it sits like outside, it will reabsorb moisture back into it. Right. Well, and that's what 
I had looked into it enough to say, well, if you did have kiln dried wood, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> You're going to go set it outside uh, so that it gets snowed on. Um, so, you know, it's all process uh, driven here. But that's yep. where I'm thinking a small scale producer, one cord a week, you know, um, you sell it. Yeah. You right. make it, it's dried and it's gone. Next next and you do you know <laughs> if you could just keep up one a week pace i mean you're making good money so so you would be if you had an order come in your thought process would be you take the log you run it through the processor or you splitter whatever it is that goes into the kiln a few days later you deliver it so like you're you're doing the whole process for an order all in one workflow like right yeah. through yep y yep 60 cords a year. Uh, that's pretty good, I think. Yeah. That's darn good. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't, I mean, 60 cords of firewood is a lot of space if you were going to put it all out and stack it and let it season yeah. naturally. <laughs> yeah, your neighbors, some neighbors may not appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then I don't know, does like the steam and the, the, the exhaust that comes out of a kiln, does it smell? Is it a nuisance? I don't know that either. I wouldn't think, I would think the only thing you have, your it would be byproduct steam, is moisture. Yeah. Steam. Yeah. But it would still have odor to it. Don't you think? I don't know. Depending on the wood, maybe, I guess. <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't know. These are all interesting questions yeah. yeah you could be if you lived <laughs> if you lived in like a subdivision and you were kiln drying oak there's like some lady three houses down going someone did my son just throw up you know <laughs> <laughs> or it smells like a barbecue happening somebody's got a you know a pork roast on the smoker <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm not singling out kilns on this case though i am talking about the mentality the approach of a small-scale producer, the needs that this industry is craving, our, our customer base, these new-style stoves, the education needed, and uh, I just see a money-making opportunity here. And that's what I just, I just wish that we could get it together as an industry. And, you know, that's why we're, I'm still getting – you know, I'm still getting uh, grief because I stack wood. You know, I'm just, gosh, <laughs> this is never going to change is what I think. And you do it wrong <laughs> with the bark down or the bark. Well, up. You, you do it wrong. So. <laughs> but what happens if your, there. And it's your fault. What if there is no bark? Then what do you do? <laughs> A lot of my pieces don't have bark. Yeah. You throw your hands up and you go inside and lay on the couch for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for another comment on that. You're putting the the bark the wrong way. I'm like, well, what if there isn't any bark? Then what way do I put it? Yeah. <laughs> you have to throw that piece out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Dan, I um I'm very scared. Uh before Dan and I ever post an episode, we go back and listen to it and we edit it, make sure there's no mistakes. <laughs> I'm just really worried about listening to this one because I don't, I'm just afraid that it's not gonna make any sense. And I'm just trying to get whatever's inside my brain out. And uh, 
help me relax, but also uh, maybe there's uh, uh, someone out there that's can explain what I'm feeling even better. Or maybe it's going to generate, you know, some, some people to think about it and maybe come up with thoughts on their own or maybe realize, yeah, you know, that is interesting that, you know, I went to that show and I saw all those new boilers they had. I'm thinking about getting a boiler, but they all say they need seasoned wood and I've never seasoned my wood before. And, not, you know, it's like get the mm -hmm. gears turning. The conversation yeah. started. Wouldn't it be great that seasoned wood in February is plentiful? Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> what happens if 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 uh the wood stove industry evolves to the point of you have to put your piece in, preload it and it checks the moisture and it will reject it if you it won't let you burn it. <laughs> <laughs> it splits your piece, it checks the moisture and it says, "All right, you can burn this." Or nope. Yeah. Next. <laughs> Try again. We need we need to get a stove manufacturer on the podcast. Um, that's a that would be interesting, I would think. Yeah, because the stove manufacturers had to respond to changing industry regulations and moving goalposts. You know, right? Uh, and they're still here. I know some of them have dropped out, but um, the ones that have at least made the changes, uh, they're they're pretty cool and they work and they're much more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what we need to get a, um, we need to find a stove manufacturer. If there's anyone out there that knows of a manufacturer or something, maybe I'll refer them to us. We'll get them on here and, and, uh, see what they have to say. Yeah. It's, it's, and that's one of the, that's another example of an industry where, when certain, well, for whatever reason, you know, there's, there's regulations, there's things you need to follow and, and a, a barrier, barrier to entry. Like I can't just go out and make a stove and sell it. I mean, I yeah. could, but not mass produce. Like why does the firewood industry not have some type of, like you were talking about, like a, I don't know, association, something to start getting the word out and bonding together around all the Ohio wood burner success or uh, principles for success. How to, <laughs> how to achieve in firewood. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't uh, follow me. I'm lost. <laughs> and <laughs> that I have always said that how you want to sell firewood is good enough for me. I am simply arguing about the industry now and trends that, are taking us in a certain direction and i don't know if the industry is responding or prepared or if yeah. it wants to or if, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's no will <laughs> yeah i don't know dan i just think there are some things out there that are innovative i keep saying the yappa 405 it's awesome good heavens um these vertical splitters I think are, are, are really neat. They can really help out a small scale operation. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I just think that, uh, the firewood industry at large, uh, has a long way to go to improve. Yep. <clears throat> There's definitely mm -hmm. opportunities out there. 
Yeah, and there are opportunities to make money. Yes. Well, uh -huh. if if you're into that type of thing. <laughs> I am because I am a capitalist. <laughs> Selling firewood for money is a great thing, and you should never be ashamed of it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Dan? No. What? <laughs> 42 times 6? What? <laughs> oh, gosh. That's oh, all yeah. your fault. Yep. Yes. It's all, it's all your fault. All my fault. Well, again, I don't know. I, I think it's just interesting to have these conversations to bring some awareness and maybe, like I said, get the gears turning, get the conversation started. And, hey, if, you, if you're out there and you have an idea or, you know, you know, what, 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 do, you, what do you want? A stove manufacturer. Yeah, Pe there we people go. People in the industry, send us an email, thewoodhounds at gmail.com. Or go to a um, go to a trade show and yeah. start talking. Start talking to people. Yeah. All right, Dan. I think maybe we've babbled long enough. Let's put this one under the heading of uh, mindless babbling. <laughs> <laughs> Listen at your own discretion. <laughs> yeah. If you ever took a creative writing class, this would be called your free write, where you just get a sheet of paper and you just start writing whatever comes to mind. Hey, I think that's one of the best ways to podcast is just hit record and start talking, whatever happens, whatever you talk about, wherever the conversation goes, it's where it's meant to be. Yeah. Well, I think you might be onto something there too, Dan. It's yeah. very innovative of you. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, Dan, how about let's strike up the band and let's go, uh, let's head on outdoors and get this wood stacked. Yes, with the bark down. Up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the number one firewood podcast in the world, the Woodhounds, right here, wherever you're listening. <laughs> That's right. We want to thank everyone for listening and making us the number one firewood podcast in the world. And I want to tell everyone to be safe, have fun, and have a great day.